Good morning, church. It's good to see you and be with you this morning as we continue through the gospel of Luke. I want to start off with a question, uh, and and that's this. When when did you, if you are a believer in Christ, if you do trust him, uh, when did you become a Christian? When did you first follow Jesus, hear Jesus call and follow him? If you ask Peter that question, I think this would be the day that he would think about this passage that we're talking about this morning. We're looking at the day that Jesus called Peter, James, and John to, to follow him, and they did. They leave everything and follow him. Um, as I've thought about this passage, I, I think it, it, uh, it's, it's made me realize and made, made me think about this week that we, that we struggle with evangelism. Right? This is a story of people coming to Christ. We struggle with... Uh, with evangelism. It's, it's something I think all Christians know that they should do. Uh, we know that we should be sharing our faith. We know we should be talking about Jesus, um, inviting others to know him as well. But, but we seem to struggle with it. Maybe, maybe you do. I do. I know I do. I'm, I'm in, the, in that boat firmly. As a church, we, we see some people come to know the Lord every year. We baptize people at Easter, at Thanksgiving, and, it's, and we rejoice and we praise God for those times. Uh, but we don't see as many as we want to see. Right, maybe that will always be the case. But I just wonder, a church like our size, how many could we see come to know the Lord? I love our church growing through people moving to the area, and, and there's a lot of that happening, and so we're going to grow that way, um, I, and that's wonderful. Uh, but but I, the growth that I love to see even more than that is when people don't know Jesus and they come to meet him. That, that's, the, that's the type of church growth that the angels rejoice over. Now, we can't control this, um, as, as we know, and as we've seen this, this story. Jesus calls people, not, not us. We can't control him. But are we seeing as many people come to know the Lord as we could? If we were all faithful to pray and, and, and to pray for people and to share our faith with our friends or neighbors, w- would we see more fruit? By God's grace, I think certainly we would. Certainly we would. And I hope we will. So as we, as we see Jesus call Peter this morning, I hope we can get some help in this, some help in evangelism. In, in introducing others to Jesus. And I hope some of you will meet Jesus this morning for the first time as well. We'll see four things. When does Jesus call? When? How does Jesus call? What does he do? What is the response to Jesus' call? And lastly, what does Jesus call people to? Let's pray, and we'll dive into the, the text this morning. Father, uh, we acknowledge your presence this morning, that you're here. We acknowledge that you're already moving in our hearts. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for even making your presence known already in our worship. We, we ask for more. We, we ask for more of you. Would you, would you uh, speak to each of us as we need it? Lord, I don't know what's going on in everyone's life. I, don't, I can't change any heart, but you know each person in this room, in their chairs. You know in, in their minds what's what's how they're racked with guilt and shame, how they're racked with worry. You know how they're distracted. You know everything about us. You know our hearts. And so would you please speak to us by your Holy Spirit? And would you help us to be open to whatever you'd have to say? In Jesus' name, 
I ask these things and pray these things. Amen. First, when does Jesus call? If you look at verse one, as the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee around which Jesus did a lot of his ministry. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. Jesus, his, his ministry is in, uh, is in, it's flowing, right? It's, it's, he's into his ministry. He's teaching, he's healing, uh, and people are hearing about him everywhere. He's a very popular uh, preacher. In, in a time before social media, he went viral. You know, everyone's like bringing their sick uncle. They're gonna go to find Jesus so he can heal. Like they're, they're all pressing in. Um, and this morning, he's by the sea, uh, by, the, by the, the lake, and uh, the body of water, and, and he's, the, the crowds are pressing in. There's a big crowd coming. And so he sees two boats, right? He sees two boats um, that, are, that are there on the, the shore. And he, he gets in one and wants to push out so he has a little room and can project and everyone can hear him well. Um, now, it's interesting about these boats because the, these boats, uh, we know, are not like pre-staged by Jesus. He didn't like put them there so he could use them. No, the, these are fishing vessels. They're they're. Uh, Fishermen were using them, and they're they're finishing their their shift. I don't know if you ever worked the night shift before, um, but they're they've finished the night shift. They've they've uh, you know fished through the night, and they are uh, they're cleaning their nets. Right, they're cleaning up uh, so, so that they can go home. And little do they know what's in store for them uh, in in this story. The story is not about actually the people who gather together to hear God's word. This story is about the people who haven't. Get, this is the story about the the working class people who were just finishing the night shift. And and I think what this shows uh, is when does God call? When does Jesus call people? Uh, whenever He wants to, uh, and, and often at the most unexpected times. Right? They, he, they weren't expecting, Simon Peter wasn't expecting here to, uh, to be called by Jesus. No, no, he wasn't looking for that. It just happened. Jesus orchestrates it when he wants to. And I wonder when God called you. What were your life circumstances? Were you expecting it? Were you looking for it? Or did it just come out of the blue? I love hearing that story. And, and ha- maybe if you're here this morning, has God been calling you? Has he been drawing you to himself? Is he perhaps calling you today? Second, how does Jesus call? How does he call? Verse four and five. Um, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put in, out into deeper water, the deep water, and let down your nets for a catch. Master Simon replied, we've worked hard all night and have caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. Jesus finishes his preaching and then commands Simon to, to put, out, you know, put out in deep water and, and cast his nets out. So fishing back in these days was not like, you know, it's not a, a real rod and reel, uh, you know, like the father-son fishing tournament coming up. It's not gonna be like that. Uh, it, it's gonna be, this was fishing with, with big weighted nets. Right? They would throw them out and then several guys would have to pull them back into the boat. Um, and, and Peter is a professional fisherman, right? This is what he does for a living. Um, uh, you know, he knows the best times to fish. He knows the worst times to fish. Um, and, and, but Jesus, the, the, the carpenter, the handyman, uh, you know, the, who is now a rabbi, is a teacher, um, says, hey, Simon, let's, let's go out and do a little more fishing. 
And I don't know what the analogy is, but it's, you know, it's some, someone telling someone in another profession how to do their job, you know? And, and Peter's, Peter's, you know, he's, he's willing. He doesn't say no, um, but he does vo- voice his, his professional opinion. Like, Jesus, we've, you know, we fished all night long and haven't caught anything, so. You, but okay, if you want to, let's, let's just do it. Um, so, so they do it. Verse six, when they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. He obeys Jesus' command uh, and gracious mayhem ensues. <laughs> right? This is, uh, this is a, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 big, uh, a big problem, really. They throw the nets and they start to pull them and it, they're too heavy. And the nets start to tear. They're going to lose all the fish. They call their, their partners, get over here and help. And they, they work it all in. Um, who knows how long that took, but they end up with two boatloads full of fish. Right, the, the, it says the boats are starting to sink. They get the boats to the land before they sink and all these fish escape. And I just, I just wanted, I wonder what Jesus' face, like what is his facial expression when this happened? You know, like what's he, what's he, he doing? Um, it's, it's uh, I'd love to, to know that. So what do we see? How does Jesus call? Well, here Peter encounters Jesus' power, doesn't he? He encounters Jesus' power in a way that he can't deny. Something happens, this, this happens when Jesus calls. There's often an encounter with Jesus and his power. Something happens that make you, makes you realize who Jesus is, whether it's a dramatic event or, or just a simple act, right, that your eyes are open to. You have an encounter where you can't not deny anymore that Jesus is the savior of the world. We heard one of the ladies that we baptized um, on Thanksgiving say that it was God saving her child at birth that just made her know, I just knew that he was real. It can be dramatic like that. But for some people, it's simply reading a story in the Bible that they've heard of a million times. For some people, it's reading a track. It's having a conversation. It's an answered prayer, a healing, someone's small act of kindness. But you hear the voice of Jesus and there's an encounter with his power and you know, you just know that he is the savior of the world. You know that your life can never be the same. This is what Peter felt. And perhaps you're feeling this. Maybe, maybe you're here because you, something happened this week that you can't really explain. Brother or sister, what, what, what was your experience? What, what did Jesus use? Who did Jesus use to open your eyes to the truth? What's the response? Number three, what's the response? Verse eight, when Simon Peter saw this, it says he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John Zebedee's sons who were Simon's partners. Now, we may be a little surprised at Simon's response, at Peter, Simon Peter's response here. Um, you, you might think he'd just be kind of excited, like this is the biggest catch of fish. I don't know if you've ever caught a fish before. It's exciting to catch one fish, you know, two boatloads full. That's really exciting. And, and that's a lot of money, right? These are fishermen. Uh, you might think that he would just be elated. But, but the fish, they're a sign of something else. And Peter recognized it. And, and, and then they're an afterthought. 
he leaves them. He says he leaves them all, um, as, as we'll see. Why? Why does he respond this way? Well, he realizes, I think in this moment, that he's not in the presence of an ordinary man. Right, this carpenter just did something that doesn't make any sense. If you look in the Old Testament, you look at what happens when people encounter the presence of God. Um, there's, there's a pattern. There's a pattern. Um, I think of Job. Uh, Job is, is a, a book in the Old Testament uh, that's about suffering. It's a profound and, and rich book uh, about suffering. Job suffers greatly. He, he suffers horribly. Um, and, and then he, he, for, you know, 35 chapters, uh, just just agonizes over it and, and prays and asks God, accuses God, wants to talk with God, wants, wants God to explain what is going on, why this has happened. And in the end of the book, God shows up to Job. God shows up, and it's interesting, he doesn't, he doesn't actually answer Job's question, which is, also, which is often how it works, right? He doesn't answer Job's question about why this has happened, but he does reveal himself to Job. And Job has, has a response. And, and in Job 42, verse five, he says this, I had heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my words and am sorry for them. I am dust and ashes. He, he realizes in the presence of God, I'm not, I'm not worthy. I'm not, I'm, I, I have not spoken well. I'm nothing before you. Or you might look at Isaiah. Um, in Isaiah 6, he sees the Lord. He sees the Lord on his throne, high and lifted up. Whether in, in, in a, he's transported or he's in a vision, he is in the presence of God himself. And here's what he says in Isaiah 6, 5. Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. In the presence of holiness, in the presence of perfection, in the presence of, uh, of God, you're, you're exposed Right? Any, any, uh, any uh, dream that, that you have something to offer, that you're, you're a good person, that you're, you know, you're great, that you're worthy. No, no, it all goes away. You, you realize in a moment, oh, oh, no. I mean, Peter is scared because he's exposed. In the presence of the holiness of Jesus, he feels naked and ashamed. And when you experience the presence of God, his holiness, then you're exposed it truly is a terrifying thing to stand before the living God. So this is the response. You know you're unworthy. You know that you're not fit to stand before a perfect God. And, and maybe you know this today. Or maybe you come in here and, and you're aware. I think we all are, aren't we? We're all aware of the ways that we've failed in our lives. We all have deep shame in our hearts. We can't bring that before the Lord, right? Notice Jesus' answer to Peter. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What 
Why can Jesus say that to Peter? Jesus is the Lord. He is the judge. He is holy. He does know Peter's sin better than Peter does himself. Right? Does he say to Peter, don't, don't be afraid, Peter. Your sin's not that bad. No. No. Right? Does he say to Peter, don't be afraid, Peter. Everything that happened to you is just a result of the external forces and uh, you're just a victim in your life. You'd be better if you just had a better upbringing. No. He doesn't make light of Peter's sin. Then how can he say that? Don't be afraid. Peter, you don't have to run. You can stay with me. Jesus could say that because he knew what Peter didn't. He knew, like he says in John 4, I, I didn't come to the world to condemn it, but so that the world could be saved. I came to save. I came to give my life for people like you, Peter. Failures, screw-ups, sinful rebels against God. And I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna give my life and rise from the dead so you can be forgiven. Don't be afraid. Right? And I would say that to you today. Maybe you've not, maybe you don't like to pray. You don't really like to think, and de- think deeply about, uh, about God or about the Bible or, or about have a deep religious conversation because you're scared. Deep down, you're scared. What might happen? What might be exposed? And Jesus says to you, don't be afraid. He really has come and he sacrificed himself for you so that you could know him. These are words of grace. These are gospel words, good news words. Don't be afraid, Peter. Lastly, what does Jesus call people to? What does he call us to? What does he call Peter to? Verse 10, don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon, from now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. I love how Jesus uses Simon Peter's profession uh, and, and, and just uses it. As, he says, yeah, you're, you're a fisherman. Now you'll be a fisher for men, right? Fishers of men, as some of the old translations say. As yeah, he turns, he, turns, uh, he turns sinners to evangelists, fishers to fishers of men. I think he could have said this uh, to any profession. I, I think uh, you can think of it today. He could have gone to a, uh, you know, a computer programmer and said, uh, hey, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be debugging people. <laughs> right? Oil field guy, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be digging for a different kind of treasure. My medicine, don't be afraid. Now you'll be healing souls. Don't be afraid. Those of you in financial planning, now you'll be helping people invest eternally. Right? He could have just got, like, he could, this is just, a, he's, using, he's using their fish, their, their job. When one of your kids is having a bad day, uh, you can sit beside them, put your arm around them, and tell them how much you love them. And that's good. And that, that, that expresses, um, communicates love to them. Another thing you can do is to invite them to help you with something. Right? If you're a parent, you know this. Uh, hey, buddy, you want to you help me make breakfast? Yeah, we're making waffles. Come on, let's go make some, let's go make some waffles. Right, that communicates love in a different way, doesn't it? 
Not only do I love you, I want, I want you beside me. I need your help. Like, come on, let's do this together. So put yourself in Peter's shoes right here. You've seen an undeniable miracle. You know this is no ordinary man. This is, this is he's, he's saying he's the Messiah, the one sent from God. You realize your sin, your unworthiness so acutely. And so you say, Lord, go away from me, right? That, that, would, be, that would be best, that'd be proper. You can't, shouldn't be here. But he speaks words of grace, words of forgiveness. And then he says, come on, we got work to do. We've got work to do. Right. Can you believe this? Jesus says, let's go. You get the job. You get the job. I saw you catch those fish. That was pretty good. Let's see how you do with people. And, and they did it. Says they left everything. Their boats, fish, jobs. That would have, you know, that has a lot of social implications, a lot of financial implications. They didn't care. Needless to say, they aren't qualified for this. They weren't like fishermen who were in seminary on the side, you know? Like they're, these are normal, everyday working class people. Jesus says, come on. They've got their ongoing problems as we'll continue to see throughout the gospels. And, and don't we all? Like that's good news that they have ongoing problems. Uh, but but he, he still wants them. He wants them for the cause and he wants you for the cause. He wants you for the mission. He says, don't be afraid and he gives you a purpose. He enlists us in the family business. I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom, a lawyer, a manager, a student, a retiree, a dentist. If you're a Christian, then you are a fisher of men. You're an evangelist. You're a disciple maker. And I hear, you know, objections. What, What about... What does that mean for my life? You know, what about my plans that I have? What about my, you know, nice, tidy, suburban life? Uh, what about, you know, how do I fit evangelism into my busy life? You know, that's, that's a reasonable question. And, and my, my pushback to, to that would be, I think, that, I think even that objection reveals a little bit of our, of our wrong thinking, it reveals a little bit of maybe lies from the enemy that we've believed, how do I fit evangelism into my busy life? I think a good question would be, is your life your own? If you're a Christian, haven't you been bought with a price so you're not your own? Haven't you been crucified with Christ so it's no longer you who live, but Christ lives in you, the life that you now live in the flesh? You live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you? The disciples leave everything. They leave everything. And, and, and we must be willing to give everything up to lose your life. If anyone would come after me, what did Jesus say? Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What does it say about us if we won't give up our dreams, our plans, for the Lord. If our lives look like everyone else's in our neighborhood, what difference does Jesus really make? How, how can I speak with integrity if I'm holding on to worldly patterns and goals? 
But Jesus' call is to surrender, surrender your life and find your true calling, find your purpose. Peter, James, and John, they didn't know what they were getting into. But, but they, they did one thing right. They left everything and followed Jesus. That's what they did. All right, we'll drop it. We're going. This is the start. This is how you become an evangelist. So you become a Christian, right? You give yourself completely to Jesus. Maybe you've seen him, and I know this is common in, in, uh, in the Bible Belt, in our area. Maybe you've seen him as just sort of divine fire insurance, I know that's a, that's a cliche, but I think, it's, I think it's a good, I think it's true. I think people th- see it that way. It's like, I'll come to church, I'll pray sometimes, I'll pay my dues, right? So that I, then I don't have to worry about what happens when I die. But, but the basic operating system of my life is still my plans, like my goals, what I'm gonna do. Here's, here's the, you know, and yeah, God's in there somewhere, but the, I'm mainly in control of my life. Maybe you've seen him as just a nice kind of add-on. Yeah, I like how Jesus makes me feel sometimes, so yeah, he can be, you know, he can be kind of part of my life. And it's scary. It's scary to think of giving up control of your life, isn't it? Your own dreams, your own plans, your own goals. But if you won't, if you won't, and hear me, please, maybe you've not truly seen the Savior for who he is. Charles Spurgeon in the sermon said this, once more, he who really has this high estimate of Jesus will think much of him. And as the thoughts are sure to run over at the mouth, he will talk much of him. Do we so? Do we talk of him? If Jesus is precious to you, you will not be able to keep your good news to yourself. You will be whispering it into your child's ear. You will be telling it to your husband. You will be earnestly imparting it to your friend. Without the charms of eloquence, you will be more than eloquent. Your heart will speak and your eyes will flash as you talk of his sweet love. Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. Recollect that. Think about that. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. Of course, I did not mean by that that those who use the pen are silent, they are not, and those who help others use the tongue or spread that which others have written are doing their part well. But that man who says, I believe in Jesus, but does not think enough of Jesus ever to tell another about him by mouth or pen or tract is an imposter. If thou knowest Christ, thou art as one that has found honey, thou wilt call others to taste of it. Thou art like the lepers who found the food which the Syrians had cast away. Thou wilt go to Samaria and tell the hungry crowd that thou hast found Jesus and art anxious that they should find him too. Be wise in your generation and speak of him in fitting ways and at fitting times. And so in every place proclaim the fact that Jesus is most precious to your soul. Is Jesus most precious to your soul? Have you seen him in his beauty? Like we sing about, is he worthy? Is he worthy of giving up your time? Is he worthy of giving up your energy? 
Is he worthy of giving up your plans and your goals? Is he worth it? Is it, is it worth risking being embarrassed for him? Is it worth risking being rejected for him? Of course it is, right? He's worthy. He's the only one who's worthy. He's worthy of our every breath. He made us, and we are his, the people, the sheep of his pasture. Now, maybe you're thinking, man, I really, okay, I'm in. I want to be, be faithful in this. I want to grow in this. What does it look like? What does it look like? Well, I, I'll, I try to, to give you a couple practical things. First, I, I think we see in this passage, as I mentioned, Jesus is calling people, and he does that. Again, it's not, it's not on us, it's not all this pressure. Uh, like, Jesus is gonna save people whether you're involved or not, so it, you can take the pressure off, right? He's gonna save people. It's, it's a matter of, will you be involved? Will you, get in, will you be on the mission with him? We are entering into God's work. Right, so we need to ask ourselves and pray, and where is Jesus calling people? Where is he showing himself to people in power? How, how, how can I enter the work beside you, Lord? Show me who I need to talk to today. So often, I think we just have tunnel vision for our days. It's just like, I have my list, and I'm gonna be productive, and I need to get this done so I get home. Like, we just have these, you know, we, we can get blinders on. But John 4.35 is a great verse. It says, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ready for the harvest. Jesus is working. Where? Where is it? We need to enter in prayer and, and, and let him lead us to where he's working. Next, I, th- I think it looks different in different stages of life. Right? And that's okay. There's a million different ways. It, can, like, it doesn't have to be, like, you don't all have to have tracks. Like, I think it's a great, I mean, you get some. Like, why not? You, you could have some. But, but, but you, don't, you don't have to do it that way. We are all different people, and God calls us in different ways into different things. Um, I, I know uh, my mom, I see, is, is really good at this. Um, she, she's, on ten, she's an empty nester. She's on tennis teams, you know, in the area, and she's just great with the tennis ladies. She just, you know, goes, plays the matches, goes to the little luncheons and, you know, carpools with people to, to matches, and she just talks with these tennis ladies, and she learns about their lives, and she prays for them, and she shares the gospel with them, and they text her when they need prayer. Like, that's her ministry. That's how it works for her. I ask Kathy Birch, um, who, who's a, a faithful evangelist about her, uh, about her experience in evangelism, especially as a, young, as a young mom, right? She has young kids. And if, first of all, if you want to get inspired about evangelism, I would just recommend calling Kathy Birch and then talking to her about evangelism uh, because it will pump you up to, to go share about Jesus. Uh, but she said that, that it's hard in her season of life to have long, deep conversations with people. And all the young moms said, amen, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so she said, she just, she, she's like, what a, you know, I don't get to have all these long, you know, long conversations I used to, but, you know, I just try to see every, you know, person that I encounter. If it's, you know, the drive through person or the cashier at the grocery store, I just try to see them as the soul who Jesus loves, and I just pray and ask if God would give me the chance to say something if I need to. I just don't want to waste that 60 seconds. She, she told me that a little while ago, she went to, uh, to, to a checkout and, the cashier was a, a covered lady. She's a Muslim lady. 
And, and so, she, so she prayed as she approached, you know, pray, God, would you let me share something with this lady if you'd like me to? And she, and she said also that she prays, uh, she was like, you, you would be amazed at the things that God answers when you just depend on him. She was like, I always pray that my baby won't cry if I need to talk to somebody. <laughs> I mean, that's a really practical prayer right there. Uh, but so she went up to this lady and their baby didn't cry. And, and the, the lady said to her, uh, oh, babies love me because they can tell, they can tell I'm a good person. And that just opened the door. And she said, I got to talk to this lady about how, how goodness doesn't come from us. It comes from Jesus. And I got to pray with her. And, like, and she said, no one came behind me in the checkout line. It was like God just put this little you know, bubble around me. And I was able to have this good conversation with this lady. I'm like, man, that's, that is so wonderful. She said that every time she takes even a small step of obedience, which is saying, God bless you, uh, leaving a track with a tip. Like it, she just said, it, it grows her faith. It grows her love for Jesus. I talked to one of my buddies who's a project manager on a, uh, at a construction company, and I said, I mean, how's it work for you? Like, what do you like, what's evangelism look like? He was like, well, actually, yesterday I got to talk to this guy about marriage. He said that there was a wedding anniversary in our office. You know, someone, it was someone's wedding anniversary, and another guy made a like, kind of ball and chain you know, joke about it, and then uh, one of the young guys was like, I'm never getting married. You know? and, and my friend was like, well, why? And they got to talking about it, and he got to share about how he loved marriage, what marriage was for, and who created marriage, and got to talk about uh, talk about marriage. Like, so it, it's just, that's how it works for him. That's how it looks for him. I, I don't really think it's that complicated. Right? I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think ultimately it's that hard even. I, I'm convinced that it's not a knowledge problem. It's not a training problem. I think it's an obedience problem. And maybe that's just God convicting my heart, and that's good if he is, and help me, Lord. But maybe that's for you, too. I don't need to know anything else. I just need to obey where God leads. Brothers and sisters, are we ready to participate where Jesus is working and calling? Do you feel far from the Lord? Do you know what could help? is if you go with him in mission, <laughs> right? He's there. That's what he said, right? Go make disciples of all nations. And then what's the next verse? Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's where he's most with you, right? That's where, that's where he, he's gonna show up. Do we walk closely with and love the Lord? Maybe that's you today. You're just like, I just, I just, I just I've been distant. I need to get closer to the Lord. <coughs> It's hard to talk about something that you're not excited about. <laughs> it's easy to talk about something you are excited about. Maybe you haven't left everything. Maybe there's something that the Lord's impressing on you. You need to give up. You need to turn that over to him. Do we love people? The people in front of us, the real people who God made and he loves the people Jesus died for. Do we in our real daily lives pray with intention and then obey as the Holy Spirit directs? I pray that we will. Um, And I pray that in this, as in this passage, um, when Jesus tells Simon to put out the nets on the other side and he casts them out and he draws in two boatloads full, I, I pray that that will be us. 
Jesus will say, cast your net, make disciples, and we will cast our nets, and there will be so many people coming to the Lord, we'll say, hey, Tomball Bible Church, hey, we need y'all's help. There's like 100 new Christians. We need some people. You got some help? We'll need more of the churches in Tomball to come together and gather up the fish. What if he sent revival like that? He can. I pray he will. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much um, for your great love. Thank you for calling people like us to yourself. People uh, who don't deserve you, who are unworthy, people who struggle with obedience. Lord, we, st- we struggle. I struggle so much with talking about you. I can stand up here and preach, um, but I get scared when I go to H-E-B and, and the cashier, cashier's there. Forgive me. Would you... Would you lead us? Would you help us? Would you empower us? Lord, if there's someone here that you're calling, just thank you for that. You're so gracious. Thank you for calling them. And, and I pray that they would not be afraid, but they would, they would turn to you and you would speak to them clearly in their hearts. Lord, we need you. We love you. There's no one like you. Thank you, thank you that you love us and that you want us with you on your mission. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.